0: friends, happy Christmas to everyone here. Um, it's great to see so many people here. I think Nigel and Meredith win the prize for coming the furthest. Welcome back from Europe. Uh, that's a pretty good effort and welcome to everyone else who's visiting and or and with us for the first time or have come to be with family uh, from interstate and all in the country and things. It's, um, it's good to be with you this morning. Um, I thought I might start with a couple of uh, images from um, the far side which is one of my Right, joy. So, Larry, do you want to go to the first one? Here we go. So, this is Father Christmas, Nine Ways to Serve Venison. Okay, next one. Good heavens, Cromwell, don't move. I thought it was just a myth, but it's definitely Santa Rantula. Is that good? Is your, is your phone off, Lance? Great. <laughs> next one, Larry. I thought that was quite good. (laughs) Block your children's eyes, that didn't happen. (laughs) The next one. Ah, this is from a flea's perspective. This is their song, away in a mange, no fur for a bed, the little Lord fleeces laid down his sweet head. Quite good. Next one. I like this. Okay, Jimmy, you can have that new bike if you just answer one question. What's the average rainfall in the Amazon basin? Time's up. No bike for Jimmy. Next one, Larry. Where's Dasher? He got a new gig, DoorDash. Boom, boom. Next one. Father Christmas there. Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. Santa's stepped on a mouse there, you can see that. It's a mouse in his shoe. Right, next one. Now, I like this. This is the one I just want us to stop with for a little moment. This is a modern adaptation of the Advent scene. Have a look closely at the Christmas symbols and messages there. You've got um, this couple. She's heavily pregnant. Uh, she's not on a donkey. She's on an out-of-order uh, amusement horse that's there. Um the signs, there's, um, you can get the star beer, you can get um, Dave City Motel, no vacancy, free HBO, new manger, manager, the A's missing, um, maker Weisman cigarette. I think that's actually quite clever, um, of, of a, an adapt, adaptation of the original scene to modern uh, life. Okay. I'd love you to just go with someone next to you, a couple of people around you, and talk about these two questions for a minute. Next slide, Larry. What does Christmas mean to you? And what are the most important things about Christmas to you? Just take a minute to talk with someone near you, one or two people. Right, let's, um, let's come back together. I want to look at what Christmas meant for one person this morning. Take a bit of time to have a look at what Christmas meant for this particular person. Holly hinted at our passage this morning. Let me read it for you. It'll be on the screen as well. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbours and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and they were going to name him after his father, Zachariah. <clears throat> but his mother spoke up and said, no, he's to be called John. They said to her, there is no one amongst your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would name, like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue was loosened and he began to speak, praising God. The neighbours were all filled with awe and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. His father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear, And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the desert until he appeared publicly to Israel. I want us to reflect on what Christmas might have meant for Zachariah, John the Baptist's father. By all accounts, he was a lovely man. He was a humble man. He was loyal and faithful and devoted to his God and his wife. And he was a man who knew what it was like to have his greatest hopes placed on the scrap hip of despair. Zechariah had faithfully committed his life to the Lord. He was a priest based in the hill country of Judea who every so often fulfilled his duties officiating at the temple down in Jerusalem. The clans of priests, Luke calls them divisions, around Israel were rostered on to um, do duties at the temple and they would travel down to Jerusalem and serve as a priest before God for the weeks when the roster prescribed it. And we know that both Zachariah and his wife Elizabeth were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well along in years. What we have here is a story of hope in the midst of despair. There are things that we can learn from Zachariah in the midst of his despair. And we must remember that the start of this story, at the start of this story, all his hopes and all of his dreams were still unfulfilled. The Bible is full of real stories and allows for pain and suffering. It isn't a fairy tale, it's a real account of real people with real problems and the methods that God employed to reach into a hurting world. But note what Zechariah does. Despite his personal situation, he puts God first. He doesn't dummy, spit and walk away. Instead, he puts himself right in the presence of the temple. And the text also tells us something else. When God actually did act, Zechariah was so stunned and used to thinking in one way that he couldn't quite really get what was fully going on. And remember in this scene he was now an old man and his wife Elizabeth was an older lady just like Abraham Sarah. So he asked the angel Gabriel in Luke 1.18 how he could be sure what he was experiencing was real. And the angel Gabriel decided that Zechariah needed a bit of time of silence to ponder it all as was the sign that he was asking for. And Zechariah didn't say another word until his son was circumcised on the eighth day after his birth as we heard in the reading. And when the relatives wanted to name him after his, uh, name him after his mute father, Zechariah opened his mouth again and he took a tablet and he wrote on it, his name is John. And the verse 64 says, immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue was loosened and he began to speak, praising God. Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and he was enabled to speak. But when he spoke, it wasn't just words. Zechariah shouted out the praises of God in what is known as the Benedictus. Like Mary's Magnificat, it draws its name from the first word of the Latin translation. And this inspired prophecy of Zechariah has two parts. Verses 68 to 75, praise God for the provision of his long-anticipated son, as you might expect. But verse 69 says, and and, and verse 69 says, for a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. A phrase that again, like last week in the Magnificat, captures Hannah's song in 1 Samuel. These verses are full of Old Testament allusions. We can miss them if we don't know the Old Testament well. Just as we learnt that Mary was doing last week when she was borrowing from Hannah's song. The idea of God being a deliverer is rooted in Psalms like 34 and 67 and 113. And here again, like Mary, Zachariah would have known the Old Testament so well when his lips were unmuzzled and his recall of passages such as these would have been automatic and natural and just poured out. And then the second half of his song turns directly to the prophecy of what his wonderful blessing of a son will do. His son John will indeed, verse 76, become a prophet of the Most High. His son John will indeed... Prepare the way for the Lord in 30 or so years' time. His son John will indeed point to the way of salvation through a message of repentance. This is a passage that draws heavily from Malachi and Isaiah in the Old Testament. For example, let me read three of the passages that that, um, Zechariah borrows from. Malachi 3, 1 and 2 says, See, I will send my messenger who will prepare a way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he's like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. And Malachi 4.5 says, See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. And then he borrows from Isaiah 42, to open the eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison and to release... The dungeon, those who sit in darkness. Zechariah understood the full weight that his son would come and carry in the mission of God, and he marveled at what was being accomplished right there before his eyes at that time. Nine months earlier, remember, Gabriel had appeared to him in the temple. There's plenty of reason to worry about the world that we live in, but we should take comfort that God is good and God is in control. In the midst of turmoil, in the midst of uncertainty, we should take comfort like Zechariah did, that God is at work doing things. We should do as Moses did when he was in the desert. And surely he must have been wondering what was going to happen to the Israelites when, they, when would they enter the promised land. Moses just proclaimed what he knew to be true. I will proclaim the name of the Lord. Oh, the greatness of our God. He is the rock, his works are perfect, and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. So, you know, Zechariah and Elizabeth were praying for an answer to their prayers. They wanted a child. And I don't think it was in their wildest dreams that God would answer their prayers in the way that that God did. But he did. And because Zachariah wasn't quicker to recognise this, even with an angelic visitation, he was silenced for nine months to think about it, just perhaps to reflect on what God was up to. I don't know what's coming in the future. None of us know what's coming in the future. Three years ago, we didn't even know what a thing like COVID or coronavirus even was. We don't know what's next. We don't, we don't have an idea. We like to think we do, but we don't. But what I do know is that God is doing things in this world and that our future is in him. Sure, change and challenges and discomfort and growth are required and ahead of us. Find me a child, when those beautiful kids were down the front banging away on their tambourines and, and, and shakers this morning, find me a child that isn't growing and changing constantly. You see them week by week and they're different. That's healthy. Show me a child that isn't changing, and that's an unhealthy child. Children grow and change. That's the way life works. Let's today experience the message of what the coming king announces, the birth of God, the Son of God. Let's embrace what the future holds in light of the promises of God and the delivery of God of his only son into the world that we would have hope And that we would have salvation. And let's not predict how our, our prayers are going to be answered. Let's just pour them out to God. For we will surely be the ones who get it wrong if we start predicting how things should go. Let's take the wonder of Zachariah's song and be surprised with the ways that God wants to break into the world and our lives. This is a story of hope overcoming despair in the most unlikely of circumstances. But so is the whole Christmas story. An unwed couple, a peasant baby in a manger, a tyrant ruler who issues a warrant for the death of all the infants in the Bethlehem area, refugees escaping to Egypt. And for Zachariah, the first Christmas meant something incredibly deep and special and unique and holy and hope-filled and silencing. Let's take Christmas into our lives and into our worlds. It might not turn out how we imagine, but nothing is impossible with God. I'd love to pray. Loving God, thank you so much for this Christmas story. Thank you so much for the promises and the certainty of the Christmas story, and yet the mystery and the way it will work out, we don't know. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your love. Thank you that you do come, that you do deliver, that you are in control, that there is so much to celebrate, that we can celebrate because you've intervened in this world and given us your son. We pray that in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Amen. Amen, And happy Christmas. Happy Christmas.